Hi, I'm Catherine Boucher. Welcome to While You Were Folding. I created this podcast to continue the conversations about the things that matter in domestic life. I'm a Catholic homeschooling mother of six. My husband, Philip, is a pediatrician, and we've been married for 14 years. I've learned a lot, usually in messy or painful ways, and I have so much more to learn. I'm excited to share this episode with you, and I hope you'll add your voice to the next one. I pray before I record every episode that God will use this podcast to inspire each of us to holiness in our vocations as wives, mothers, and his beloved daughters, and that you will go on to share what you heard while you were folding. Let's jump in. Hello, and welcome back to While You Were Folding. I hope you are having a great start to the new year. I am back in the basement recording an episode. And today's episode comes from a quote by Charlotte Mason. And if you're new around here, um, our family is Catholic. We've got six kids. And we started homeschooling three years ago. We're in our third year of homeschooling. And we like to homeschool through um, using the Charlotte Mason philosophy and through a Catholic lens. And today's episode is all about a quote of hers. She said, education is an atmosphere, a discipline, a life. So we'll be unpacking what that means. But today's mostly talking about atmosphere. And I thought it would be cool to talk about what all of that means within the context of the new year and how all of those words, atmosphere, discipline, and life are directing my own personal goals. But I want to back up a little bit and talk about this whole idea of education. Have you ever been asked the question, if money were no object and you could do anything to fill your days for the rest of your life, what would you do? If money were no object and you could do anything to fill your days for the rest of your life, what would you do? Do you have any ideas? Well, if not, I think it would be something worth thinking about. Um, because I know exactly what my answer used to be and what it is now. Maybe your answer could translate into a fun hobby or maybe a skill that you're going to take a class to improve, or maybe doing something on a regular basis that fills your bucket. Um, or maybe it's traveling more if money were no object and time were no object. But whenever I've thought about that question, my answer always comes back to education. My answer used to be that I would love to audit college classes so that I could learn for the rest of my life. And at some point in this past year, I realized, I said, Philip, that's my husband. I said, Philip, I'm getting to do that. I'm learning every day alongside our kids every day in our homeschool. And of course I am. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking when we started this homeschooling thing. I think it was because they were still relatively young in our first year of homeschooling. Jane, our oldest, is currently a seventh grader. So when we were doing distance learning in the midst of COVID, she was still in fourth grade. And then our first year of homeschooling, she was a fifth grader. So that gives you an idea of our kids' ages. 
So Jane, seventh grade, and our youngest is 19 months. So I think maybe because our kids are relatively young, I had this idea that I would know. This sounds so arrogant, but it's... (laughs) It's silly. I'm laughing now because of how much I learned that first year. I thought, oh, well, they're so young. I'm going to know just about everything that we're going to be working on. But no, I learned so much that first year across the board, not just with the older kids and their advancing studies, but our young ones and all the different books that we were reading and realizing how many different holes I had in my own education And it has been, that's probably one of my very favorite parts about homeschooling. Selfishly, I just cannot get enough of how much I have been learning. Um, But this has been true of me my whole life. I just love learning. I loved school. I loved everything about it, except for maybe math (laughs) and some kids that weren't very kind. Um, but I didn't have any struggles with bullying or anything like that. I think I kind of flew under the radar a lot in grade school. So that wasn't as big of an issue for me. And then I became much more extroverted as I got into junior high. And then in high school, I went to an all girls Catholic high school. So it felt in high school, more like being a big fish in a little pond. Um, but yeah, lifelong learning. It's one of the things that I have always admired most about people who are lifelong learners. I think about my grandparents, my grandma has, my mom's mom has always been all about learning. She was one of the first people I knew to get an iPad. (laughs) She's an early adopter of technology. She knew she is always up to date on current events. I think about my grandpa, Gene, my dad's dad, who was always reading the newspaper. He achieved up to a high school education, started his own business and was very successful. I think about my mom and dad who are always learning about something new. I think about my, um, who else in my life is a lifelong learner? I think my pastor, he, I think has a subscription to four different newspapers and is always learning about something. So I just, I think the people who are the most fascinating are the ones who have something new to learn and teach others about every time you talk to them. And it's one of the things that I love most about Philip. It's one of the things that attracted me most to him. And it's one of the things that I continue to love most about him. He is always learning. He's always growing and working on self-improvement. And that carries over into a lot of our conversations. And in fact, last week, we had a chance to go on a date. We went out to dinner and then we went out to dessert, two different places, because our favorite thing is just having these long, uninterrupted conversations in this chapter of life when we don't usually get to do that at home. And the topic of conversation and Philip was so cute. He set this up. He brought a little notepad and pen so that we could talk about it over dinner without being on screen so that we could write down our answers. He says, okay, the way we're going to approach this is what we will have done in 2023 in different areas of our life, of our lives. So marriage, parenting, faith, home, extended family, travel, friendship, 
social stuff. And then I think I'm missing a couple, but those were the main ones. And the whole conversation was by the end of 2023, what will we say we have done in these different areas? So it was really fun to go through all those and talk about it. Um, and it's just been so fun to do life with someone who loves to discuss those things, ways that we can improve individually and together and as a family. And it is definitely a goal of mine to always be learning. Ever since I was a little girl, my MO has been gathering others for the purpose of learning and being together. And I am a huge fan of Gretchen Rubin and her podcast, Happier, that she does with her sister, Liz Craft. And they like to talk about how if you're not sure what you would enjoy doing or what you'd be good at, think about what you love to do when you were nine years old. So for me, if I look back on my time when I was a young girl, I had a bedroom that had two twin beds. I think the idea was that if we ever had a guest, they'd sleep over there. We had done musical rooms at one point, but because of birth order, I ended up getting to have my own bedroom. I was very lucky in a large family to have my own bedroom. But anyway, I had these two twin beds and I would line up all my stuffed animals and dolls on my twin beds. And I would spend hours in my bedroom creating homework assignments for these dolls. And I would grade the papers at my desk and put stickers on them. And if maybe there was a doll that was struggling with something, I'd spend some extra time with them at my desk, talking through things, cheering them up, giving them confidence to get back to it. And I think about how I was the mother hen to the neighborhood kids. We would take regular trips to the nearby creek and we would pack lunches and I'd make sure everyone had everything they needed. And in the evenings in the summer, we would gather for games of kick the can and we would have rules about how everyone should wear black so that it was easy to hide we got really into all this stuff. They, I don't remember whose quote it was, but that play is the work of children. And it is so true. And I see that every day with our kids. Play is serious business. And I took it very seriously as a young kid. And then when I got a little bit older, I loved babysitting and taking care of a bunch of young kids. And then in college, I went on to become a camp counselor and studied education and then became a high school Spanish teacher. And then, of course, got married and we started our family. And as a mom, I think that was the first time in a long time that I was trying to figure out, okay... I'm teaching these young kids things, but at these young stages and ages, I'm not getting to teach them in the ways that I was teaching my students. So what could I do to fill that bucket, that outlet of trying to gather people together? And I found myself gathering other moms. So I started some book clubs and Bible studies, and it was a great way to grow in holiness with other women and learn a lot more about how to do this whole mothering thing, how to learn more about my faith. And so it was just all about gathering, gathering, gathering. And these past couple of years, I definitely got away from that during COVID. And we were in a season of survival with my roller coaster pregnancy and building a house and moving and Philip starting his own practice. Um, but 
like I've said in the last couple episodes, we're finding our groove again and really enjoying homeschooling. And with this podcast, I think part of the reason I wanted to get back into podcasting is that it's been a really fun gathering opportunity again. It's marrying my favorite things of gathering people together and talking about education and learning and being a lifelong learner, not just when it comes to homeschooling, but just trying to always improve myself, learn more about my vocation, learn more about my faith, and to not be an expert, but to share what I've learned, and then to ask you, all of you listeners, for your input, and then I can learn alongside you. And it's been so much fun, and I love it. And this quote from Charlotte Mason Education is an atmosphere, a discipline, a life. I just have to pause and think about that. Education is an atmosphere, a discipline, a life. So looking at those three things, today I just want to focus in on an atmosphere. And yes, I'll talk a little bit about all of these things within the context of homeschooling, but mostly I want to talk about how our physical homes, our home life contributes so much to each of us and our educations, not just kids growing up and learning and going to school, but all of our educations, all of us as wives, mothers, our spouses, our children, regardless of how we're choosing to educate them, whether we're homeschooling or they're in traditional school, that all of us are being educated And the atmosphere of our homes plays such a huge role in all of that. And I thought it would be great to spend some time for myself at the beginning of this year, especially after my great conversation with Philip talking about going into the new year, how I can look at these three categories of atmosphere, discipline, and life and zero in on those and figure out what I can do, what Philip and I can do together, what our family can do to make sure that the atmosphere of our home is contributing to all of our educations. So let's get into it. Let's talk all about atmosphere today. And like I said, next week, I'm planning on talking about discipline. And then the episode after that, talking about what it means to have a life. Um, yeah, so let's let's get, jump in. So today, talking about the physical home, a little bit more background on Charlotte Mason. So she was a rock star. She lived in the Lake District in England. And if you're not familiar with that part of England, that is also the part of the country where Beatrix Potter lived. And you can tell this part of the country is just gorgeous, how much it inspired Beatrix Potter and her books about Peter Rabbit and all of the little creatures through her beautiful illustrations and how much she knew about the outdoor world. Um, so she, Charlotte Mason, lived in England in the Lake District. She um, lived in the 19th century and... 19th into the 20th century. And she was so passionate about children being born persons, that they're not just these 
buckets or sponges to be filled with facts and that we need to respect them and that the best way we can educate them is with living ideas, with beauty, with the grand feast of education. And so much of that has to do with the atmosphere where the child is educated, the physical atmosphere. So those of us who are homeschooling, that's talking about our physical home. And Charlotte Mason started a teacher's college and she went and did a series of lectures that went on to become six different books. And one of those books is called Ourselves. And she has this great quote in that book, and I'm going to quote it. And it's a little bit longer, but I think it's worth it. She says, wise men are feeling strongly that prudence requires of us for the good of the state to live simple lives, to avoid excesses, even if they come in the way of athletic or intellectual toils, and to eschew possessions more than they are necessary for fit and simple living. Perhaps it is lawful for us to allow ourselves in our furniture and implements, beauty of form and color, and fitness for our uses, but it may be our duty not to accumulate unnecessary possessions, the care of which becomes a responsibility and whose value lies in their costliness. These things interfere with that real wealth of a serviceable body, an alert mind which we owe to the service of our country as well as that of our home. End quote. So, don't get too much stuff. It's going to take away from your time, and it's going to clutter up your house, and it is going to become a responsibility. It's a lot of work to have a lot of stuff. So this is not an argument for minimalism necessarily, but simplicity. Simplicity so that you can go on to do the things that matter and that it's easy to achieve margin and beauty and to pursue those things without being weighed down with unnecessary items. So I think she was ahead of her time in that sense that um, as people were getting wealthier and it was becoming easier to accumulate a lot of things, Charlotte Mason is saying, whoa, 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 bigger is not always better. More does not mean better. So I love that encouragement. At the beginning of the new year, it's always the time when everyone's trying to purge and organize things. Um, I think it might have something to do with the glut of all of the presents that we get at the holidays and the claustrophobia that I feel with all of the holiday decorations. I love the holidays. I love celebrating. But I got to tell you, the decorations make me feel claustrophobic by the end of the holidays. I think it's because we're cooped up. There is all this additional stuff that's out, plus all of the new gifts and everything else. And when you have six young kids that are all so blessed to be getting all these presents, it can get kind of overwhelming. So when it comes to our senses, when we think about the atmosphere of our homes, I think it's really helpful when we're thinking about creating order, margin, and beauty to do an inventory. And this goes, I think it's probably inspired too by Gretchen Rubin. She's been really talking a lot about the five senses and she's been writing a book about that. Um, But if you do a five senses inventory, if you go through thinking about all of the different senses that we have and how they contribute to our state of peace and calm in the home. So I thought I would just 
quickly go through all of the different senses and the ways that I'm trying to improve on them in the atmosphere of our home. So when it comes to the sense of sight, Gretchen Rubin always says outer order, inner calm. And that is so true for me. And so regular tidying is a huge discipline that we do around here. And I'll get to that more when we talk about discipline next week. And I've been so inspired by a book that I've mentioned before on the podcast, and I'm going to mark this down so that I have it in the show notes. It's called Decluttering at the Speed of Life by Dana K. White. And as of this recording, it is free on Kindle Unlimited, and my local library has it, and I was able to listen to it on audio from my library. But doing those regular tidying sessions, it gives us and our family the freedom of time without having to constantly pick up after ourselves. And when we have been uncluttering and purging and getting rid of that excess that Charlotte Mason was talking about, then you're not weighed down by all that stuff and you're not looking at all of it and having to maintain it and take care of it. And that's huge. Also, when we're talking about the sense of sight, I think it ties in with the beauty, the idea of beauty teaching us about our world, our God, and how much he loves us. And so since we moved into this home, I've been trying to be really intentional about what we're putting up on the walls, but maybe too much so that I am letting the perfect be the enemy of the good enough, and I'm not just putting things up. So I am determined to try and make this house more of a cozy home in this year. And I am trying to find pieces of art that I really like, um, but also doing inexpensive things to make our home more beautiful. So if there's a $5 bouquet at the grocery store, or maybe there are some wildflowers in the spring or summer that I come across, or we have a television that instead of just displaying the black screen all day, we can put up pieces of art and pay a monthly subscription to have masterpieces displayed on the TV throughout the day. And how cool is that? So it's kind of like having a framed masterpiece in the family room instead of just a big black screen on the wall. Um, But a simple cleaning routine, and I'll get more into this when I talk about discipline, that is huge with the sense of sight adding to the atmosphere of the home. Because when I see clutter, going back to that quote from Gretchen Rubin, outer order, inner calm, it is so soothing to me to see tidiness. Now, this can be an area of vice for some of us. Some of us, my hand is raised, that our recovering perfectionists really struggle in this area. And One of my biggest struggles in transitioning to being a homeschooling mom, I had to really, and I'm still working on letting go of control because I have always had a temptation of making a God out of housework and having a clean home and working hard to have things perfectly tidy. And as a homeschooling mom, that's just not possible. It's it's really not, and not with young kids, not with having peace. Um, so instead, 
allowing things to be played with, have our home be lived in with six young kids, and then having regular tidying times, not over the top, but keeping things, everything has a home and we have regular times where we put things back in their homes and that's it. So we get out the Play-Doh, we have plenty of (laughs) crumbs from cookies and we have handprints on the windows and we have all the different board game pieces all over the place. But I am able to be at peace with that because I know, okay, we have these regular times for tidying and doing the jobs that will get things reasonably in order, but it's not perfect. And I think God and all of his wisdom knew that homeschooling was going to be a school of virtue for me because it has really forced me to let go of the idol of control. I love having a clean, beautiful home. I worship at the altar of the God of the clean countertops. And it's so ridiculous. Countertops are flat surfaces that you're supposed to use to put stuff on, but nothing makes me happier (laughs) than an empty surface. Um, There's something there to unpack, I think. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the sense of sight. Beauty speaks to all of us. And I think I'm still working on allowing signs of life, those handprints on the windows and the crumbs on the floor and all those things to not take away from that for myself. Maybe you have a couple thoughts on that. I would love to hear how you do that in your home. Let's talk about smell. I have rediscovered the joy of baking these past few years and having something baking in the oven and scented seasonal candles in our classroom and in our main living spaces have definitely contributed to our home atmosphere. If I think about the sense of touch, I think about the cozy pieces of furniture that we've chosen to put throughout the home where we can cuddle up and read a story together. Um, trying whenever possible to keep things swept so that I'm not walking on a bunch of gross, sticky stuff on the floor. Um, after the kids have bath time, giving them lotion massages, the little ones and how much they love that and how it's a special time to connect with them. Um, the sense of taste, we have been incorporating an afternoon tea time with the kids. Santa brought everyone a special thermos. It's a Yeti mug. Maybe I'll write down which one it was. This is not a paid advertisement. Um, But that's been really fun. And we've had some baked snacks that I try to make on Sunday afternoons for fun. Baking, like I said, I really enjoy it. And I have found some great, relatively healthy recipes. So it feels like a treat, but it's not a bunch of junk that we're filling up on before dinner time. But every afternoon for the past few weeks, we started this tradition of having afternoon tea time at 4 p.m., and everyone gets out their mugs, and some of the kids, the little ones still just want to have a treat of some juice. Otherwise, they don't regularly get juice, but at tea time, they can. And the older ones have developed a taste for tea, so that's why Santa brought these mugs, and they're great. I got for my birthday an electric tea kettle, which makes it just a breeze to fill up the electric tea kettle with water, push a button, and then we have tea 
water that's warm enough for tea and the kids love it. Um, we just sit around the table and we have our snack and I'll share some of the favorite recipes that we've had. Some no bake energy bars, um, some morning glory muffins and a couple others. So I'll put those in the show notes. And then we read about the saint of the day and I am gonna forget the title. Let me just pop on Amazon here to look it up. It's a saint book for young readers. Let's see here. If I were organized, I would have looked this up ahead of time. Okay. It's Saints for Young Readers for Every Day, and it's by Susan Helen Wallace. It comes in two different editions. There's a January to June, and then a July to December. What I like about this one, it's relatively short, and the readings are simple enough that the younger ones can understand it, but it includes enough details to keep the older ones interested and engaged. So that's been super fun. And then... I let the conversation carry on and linger wherever they want it to go. And it's just a fun time to connect with everyone. And more often than not, Helen might still be snoozing. So it's a chance for the older ones to have me have more of their attention. And the little ones inevitably finish up and they want to go play. So the older ones like to stick around. And it's a time to have some more heart to heart time with them, which is special. And then the older ones like to help out with dinner preparation and the little ones are off playing. So I've really come to really enjoy that. So the sense of taste at our afternoon tea time has definitely been highlighted. And we, as a homeschooling family, have all of our meals together, which I think is pretty unusual. I get to sit down and have lunch with all of the kids at the same time. And Jane and Walt have taken over lunchtime preparations. And they've done a great job with that. And I think it's helped them to develop much more of an appreciation for the sense of taste with all the work that goes into preparing meals. And then family dinner time... Just about every single night, unless um, Jane and Walt have been in a production uh, play that they're going to be performing here in the next couple of weeks, and things are ramping up as it gets closer to that production. But otherwise, we really don't have outside activities that keep us from having family dinner. So that is always a really special time for us to be together. But outside of the five senses and what's happening in our physical home. I think it's really important if we're talking about atmosphere to talk about what's happening in the home. There's another great quote from Charlotte Mason, and this is in her book, Parents and Children. She said, education is an atmosphere. That is the child breathes the atmosphere emanating from his parents, that of the ideas which rule their own lives. So the things that are important to us, the ideas that fill us up are going to carry over into the atmosphere of our home. So this comes in the form of the conversations that we have, what kind of conversations we're having, what topics our kids are overhearing us talking about, the things that they see us reading and looking at, what kinds of conversations we're having with them and with what kind of frequency. Um, and then also, how are we speaking to one another, talking about the tone, if we're starting to get upset, sad, frustrated, are we able to practice the pause before we blow our top and lose our temper? Does 
this goes back to the physical home too, but the way we treat one another, would people know that we love Jesus based on the way that we're behaving? And the rhythms and routines, how your family goes about your day, are you constantly rushed or are you able to give one another eye contact? Are you able to let feelings be seen and heard? And then another thing, when we're talking about atmosphere that has become really important for our family is talking about not just the inside of your home, but the outdoor atmosphere and what that means for your family. Um, part of a Charlotte Mason education, she believed so strongly in the value of getting a child into the great outdoors where they can encounter their creator and the beauty of everything that he's made for us. And so part of that is formal nature study and learning about everything that's out there, but also hours of unstructured outdoor playtime. And this, when it comes to atmosphere, we're talking about your yard. We're talking about different areas outside that you go to. And then also bringing nature indoors and starting a nature collection and taking not just ownership, but in a real interaction with the world that God made for us. And showing God through our interaction with it that we love it and that we appreciate it. And um, this winter, I'm making more dreams and plans about our garden and incorporating that and um, just really getting excited about getting the kids continuing to be outside. Right now in Nebraska in January, it's been so far, a very unseasonably warm, mild winter. We have gotten hardly any snow. Um, the kids are actually a little disappointed, quite disappointed about that. But it's been so much fun to see them interacting with the atmosphere outside and bringing that in to our classroom and the excitement they have when they look out the window and all those things. So those are just some of my thoughts on atmosphere. Um, go ahead and do a five senses inventory and think about how those things contribute to your education, your spouse's education, and your children. Again, regardless of how you're choosing to educate your children, whether you're homeschooling or sending them to a traditional school. And for yourself, make sure you're doing this for yourself too, thinking about how you how you tick as a human being and what things you could be doing actively to improve the atmosphere of your home. And I would love to hear for you the kinds of things that maybe are working, the, the successes you're having in these different areas. And apart from your physical home, what else is contributing to the atmosphere, whether it's routines and rhythms or tone and conversation and whether you look like a domestic church or whether it feels more like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. Um, yeah. And are you doing something unique? Are you thinking of something that you want to share? Please send all the feedback. I would love to hear from you. As always, you can email me at podcast at katherineboucher.com. And I talked a little bit about this last episode. I have been sporadically posting things on social media. I'll share when there are new podcast episodes 
on Facebook and Instagram. And I've gotten back into posting occasionally with some mini blogging and giving little glimpses into our day-to-day stuff around here. But email will definitely be the best way to get a hold of me. And again, it's podcast at katherineboucher.com. I love hearing from you and please keep sharing the show with friends when you like episodes and want to keep the conversation going. And if you haven't already, if you could leave a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcasts, that just helps the show to get in front of more listeners. And it's a lot more fun to come down here and record when I know that there are people listening and interacting with the show. But thank you so much for listening. I look forward to hearing from you and I hope you have a great week. Until next time, I'll be praying for you. Please pray for me. Continue the conversation with the people in your life and share what you heard while you were folding. <laughs>